When I was born, I donned a space suit for living on this plane. And everybody comes up and says, what a nice suit. And you're constantly looking into other people's eyes to find out if you're really wearing a nice space suit. It's what I call somebody training. Each of us must be true to ourselves to hear what is our unique way through. Because if you get phony holy, it ends up kicking you in the butt. You've got to stay true to yourself. And you walk down the street and you're somebody. Say so you know who you are. You dress like somebody. Your face looks like somebody. Everything is somebody. We enter in these conspiracies. I'll make believe you are who you think you are. If you make believe I am who I think I am. You can see them in everybody. I mean, everybody's busy being somebody. Hello everyone. I'm Abhimanyu and this is the School of Nirvana's podcast. The first episode of the show was released on October 5th of 2020 and it was the first creative thing I ever uttered into a microphone in my entire life. Now needless to say, since I started learning a lot of lessons when it comes to creating a show that brings so much value to people time as much as possible. Bottom line is this. If you listen to the first episode and you like it, you're golden. I promise to bring 100 of episodes to you. I hope you love all of them. But if you listen to the first episode and you think it's kind of slow, too much talking, I promise you that I will improve over time. For more information about this part of episode or any episode of the podcast, please visit my Instagram account. In my bio you can find a link to additional content for the reading, transcript of every show, all free of course. But if you value this show and all the educational resources I'm providing here, and if you would like to help me to keep going, You can find that how at patreon.com/theschoolofnirvana. You might be buying something this weekend as winter is almost here. Consider buying from our website. I'm trying to launch a brand called Ikeum which means unity. It might be a little contribution from your side but every little bit here and there help us at end of the day. I hope to see you all at the present day soon. And thank you for seeing the world little more different than you did yesterday. I want to start my first episode today by simultaneously saying probably the most controversial and the least controversial thing I will ever say on this show. You. Yes, you listeners. You are not built to have total knowledge of everything around you. Look, I'm sorry. I am sorry my dear listeners, as a friend, I feel totally obligated to tell you this. but no matter how painful or unpainful this is for you to hear you are just not designed to arrive at a full understanding of everything that exists out there there is this weird type of we all work as human beings sometimes right on one hand we live our life and we feel like everything is knowable we want to feel like if we just keep philosophizing about the stuff and conducting the science experiments that eventually we will get to some knowledge rest point along the knowledge highway right to a place where we just know everything or at least close to everything but on the other hand at some level we know this is impossible on the other hand we know just how incapable we are of knowing many people simply by virtue of being the kind of a person that listen to a podcast like this 
There is a part of you that sees value in seeking knowledge, right? It's understandable. From records, I am one of you. But why do you do it? Why seek knowledge about the world as opposed not seeking knowledge? Why would you ever read a book about something when you could just enjoy your life instead? Why would you ever watch a documentary on something when you can actively use your brain by entertaining yourself by so-called reality shows of today? Look, now this is valid question. Why are you even listening to this podcast when you could listen to many others? How would you respond if someone would have asked you this? Well, I personally would have responded by saying that no matter how immediately ungratifyingly an education experience may seem on the surface but eventually it leads my life in better way right knowledge is power i mean i learn new things and i create for myself a richer fuller understanding of the universe i can list of a thousand examples of how learning things makes my life less allowed by ignorance it makes me less fearful less regretful or clouded by superstition like some member of a tribe knowledge does lot of stuff knowledge bring opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise by that i mean more opportunities present themselves to you in this world because of this knowledge that you have look you can look around the world being the knowledgeable person and appreciate things more than other people you actually will appreciate the world more in this way knowledge broadens our vision of the what universe is it makes everything in this very small limited community that we live in more bigger more exciting and more interesting for example let's say we just watched some documentary on some sports car when you see that sports car on the street you don't just see the car you know you see its ingenuity it you see how does it powers up you know what's the price in the market you know literally everything about that car when you apply your knowledge to your perception of the world around you you are for all instances and purposes seeing a differently a diff- entirely different world than someone who else have not watched the documentary for them it's just a expensive car knowledge makes the universe bigger and more interesting and lucky for people like us knowledge is a respectable paradigm to strive in our society i think it's so respectable many of us choose it and fall into a trap of failing to ask ourselves that what is my ultimate goal here like what's the end game what am i aiming towards by acquiring all this knowledge now you can ask the same question on a much bigger level what are we as a species aiming towards with all this knowledge i mean are we aiming for the total knowledge total knowledge of everything there is sure why not right i mean why would we ever get to a stopping point can you really imagine this scientists stopping this maniacs this people in the lab coat we could arrive at the most awesome piece of knowledge imaginable and these people would be still out there in the next day in their office doing the little experiments trying to find out more knowledge would we really stop why would we right there is no stopping point when it comes to the knowledge or is there you know this way of thinking about our knowledge of the universe that seems 
pretty popular when I talk to people in the today's world. But it was actually been talked all the way back in Kant's time too. There was this famous mathematician. His name was Priyalla Plus. Sorry, it's my cultural way. His name was Priyalla Plus, who was a sort of a poster child for this way of thinking. The idea was this. If we knew the location, theoretically speaking, if we knew the location of every atom in the entire universe, and if we knew exactly how to calculate the seemingly necessary constant forces like gravity, that we could at least, in theory, stimulate every cosmic events, every natural events, we could stimulate or predict everything that was going to happen for the rest of the time. Now in modern times, this usually takes more of a form of Look what science has done so far, man. Look at how much we know today compared to how much little we knew before. As long as these people in lab coats, who I have never met before, in the buildings where I have never been before, called scientists, keep conducting these imperial experiments and concluding these things of their experiments and making further conclusions that eventually we will have arrived at the truth. We will have the knowledge of everything there is in the entire universe. Well, there is a huge difference between truth and knowledge. What Immanuel Kant would want us to consider is a very key distinction to make. That even if we arrive at this rest point on the highway, even if it was possible at the best, all we could ever achieve was not total knowledge of everything there is, but the total knowledge of human experience. There is a big difference between these two. Remember, Kant talks about how there are two different words. The world of things in themselves, the numinal world, out there, somewhere, you know, out of our reach. And the world of appearances. That's the world we all live in. The crude map of that more real world that our mind and senses produce so that we can navigate this existence. We know this. We know at some level that everything we see all around us is not true fundamental reality but only what our mind is depicting of that reality. Yet just at a raw everyday existence level, right? Very few of us make this distinction. We live our life as though we are existing in some inflammable true depiction of the universe. It's almost like a defense mechanism, right? See, this is why I said this is the most controversial and the least controversial thing I will ever say on the show. People navigate their lives empathetically believing that they are making judgments in the real world. But it's funny. They are just never more than a couple of well-placed questions away from being taken down from that standpoint. From saying, like, if you believe you are an agent of Christian God's will, who is just navigating this planet, then don't you believe that God created your eyes, ears and mental facilities just to necessarily comprehend the full existence of this creation he created just for us? No, he made us so our eyes and ears just work well enough, you know, well enough just to read Bible and treat other people around us kindly. On the other hand, if you are a godless person, well, well, I understand that you see a world little more differently than others, that this hardware that you have to perceive the world is not necessarily designed to measure the fabric of reality it is. You know, it's designed to pick bananas. It's designed to live in this particular climatological condition. In this way, this is super interesting by the way. The hardware that you have that is picking up this reality right now is completely arbitrary on a cosmic level, right? 
This way that you perceive the world is really only a relevant skill set on this tiny blue little planet. Let me explain what I mean by this. Right now you can see certain type of waves, right? You can see light waves, you can see heat waves, etc. But you can't see other ones like gamma rays, microwaves, radio waves. But they still exist, right? Just because you can't see them in with the naked eye doesn't mean that they don't exist. But how do we get to a place where we needed these special instruments to see some waves, but not others? Well, if you are a godless person again, then you probably believe that life forms with a genetic mutation that could perceive things like heat and light has a reproductive advantage in some formal world that being able to see things like gamma rays and radio waves, right? It's impossible. It just wasn't that useful before the advent of the radio. Let's use some modern example. Let's imagine some really bizarre post-apocalyptic scenario like something 2020 where there are desperate pocket signals of Wi-Fi still being emitted and we have these devices that smartphones we carry around that picks up this Wi-Fi signals and it connects to us a network where we are told where to find fresh food and water. Now, if you are living in this world, please do me a favor. Please go get checked up. You don't see Wi-Fi signals when you walk into a Starbucks, right? If you do, please get checked up. You don't see those Wi-Fi signals, but it's still there, right around you, right? Because of that, our life in this post-acopolitic scenario which I was talking about will be very, very difficult. You would be reduced to walk around randomly staring at the phone, praying for those bars to show up. You will be hopeless. You know, now here is the crazy thing. There probably are several people alive today that can sense when the Wi-Fi signals are present. Either by seeing it or feeling it or hearing it. But either way, that skill set that person right now is particularly useless because it's very relevant to this bizarre post-acopolitic world we are living in right now. You essentially become a human drowsing rod. I mean, talk about a survival advantage. You can sense where the despite Wi-Fi signals are that lead you to fresh food and water. If, if we were picking up a team for this post-acopolitic scenario which I was talking about, I mean like I want this guy on my team. My point is, this guy goes on a reproduce and his kids inherited this gene, their kids inherited this gene and so on. This goes on enough generations and it's not crazy to think that one day the average human being may be able to eventually could be able to actually see Wi-Fi signals, right? Now my bigger point is that the fact that you cannot see Wi-Fi signals and you see light rays is equally arbitrary. It's determined by what climatological conditions your ancestors were in. If survival was contingent on some other skill set on this planet, well, you weren't would be there. There is a no reason to say that the map of our mind creates of this reality. Our experience of the world might be much different than this right now. See, what we are to count, this is very important for us to understand. We are not just a perceiver of the world of things in themselves. The actual world, you know, we should think 
of ourselves as an experiencing machine a uh, uh, human apparatus that walks around experiencing the stuff that mind that we you have that draws you a picture of reality it is not necessarily showing the world as truly is but just the information that's useful to you you know it could be god giving you eyes just good enough to get by on this very subjective circumstantial narrow set of climatic condition too but think about what that means think about the depth of that if that is true then this human experience itself might be very subjective circumstantial and narrow too right what you are seeing right now could be nothing compared to what actually is there could be an infinity of parallel universe stacked upon you right now that you have no idea are there because it serves no evolutionary purpose to you to see them that doesn't mean they do not exist no it just mean god's love is not limited to one universe and why would he ever show you if you are being morally judged in this one there could be an infinite number of waves or vibrations or signals going all around us there could be just some alien race constantly trying to contact you all the time if we just do not sense that doesn't mean like you know we don't have them we just don't have instruments to read these signals that doesn't mean there are not there right now here is kant's point kant's love science he thought newton was definitely headed in the right direction when it comes to arriving at the knowledge about this seemingly mechanistic universe that we live in but what kant would say is what science is really good at doing is arriving at the knowledge about human experience but not things as them in self necessarily right now that doesn't make any part of the science body of the knowledge not useful in concise but it makes a very good point about human knowledge itself what we are organizing when we do science is not only human to experience and at any interference we make about what that actual world looks like to kant is useless what it is also does is makes the interesting point that given how obviously flawed and narrow this human experience machine that we have at our disposal is it starts to beg another question are there at least potential things out there that we can't just know knowing anything is always contagious to the human's apparatus right so are there things out there that we are just not capable of knowing or pursuing regardless of how big of a microscope we make or how much philosophy we do both metamorphically and literally speaking are there signals out there that we can't just pick up simply because of the human apparatus we fall into by completely apostance see kant thinks the answer is yes he also thinks that dismissing things about what the world is based on this very narrow conception of reality that you have is just plain dumb kant believe in god kant was not just a believer in god but a believer in human souls too he believed that we actually have free will too despite of that how much does it looks as a contrary to the new newtonian world that was emerging at his time he believe all this stuff now at the first glance this may seems weird in fact it may seems weird at the second or third glance too but in fact 
you eventually get to a point where you just stop glancing at cunt and start glancing at the people who came after him but there are some interesting discussions to be had in a meanwhile cunt's view on god i feel really bad i mean someone listening to his name for the first time would be very confusing someone just getting into philosophy they will be like you know does he like god or doesn't he like god because back then he was just saying very really really mean stuff about god but then i heard him saying about faith and god existing i mean i read it somewhere that he is mentioning about god and faith which seems like very different i don't know keep in mind before you label cunt as a superstitious moron that this is the same unparalleled genius that finally debunk hanselm's proof of god existence a quick recap if you don't know what is that if god exists then he must be the greatest possible thing that can be exist god is that then which nothing greater can be conceived can we agree on that all right i can imagine that thing in my head right now couple that with the fact that something actually existing has to be at least marginally greater than something not existing therefore the go- the true thing than which nothing greater can be conceived must exist therefore god exists now if you are rolling your eyes right now keep in mind that this was a knockdown argument in philosophy before kant considering the fact that kant went out of his way during his time to debug this thing in fact kant goes out of his way to debug lot of stuff about how people have been thinking about god remember kant agrees with hume in his rebuttal to the cosmological agreement or the prime mover argument that we were assuming that the universe needed to have a cause you know kant says sure when navigating the world as one of this human experience machines it makes sense that this all needed a cause but we can't say anything about things in themselves right if we do it you know cause and effect space and time these are the ways our mind makes sense of this world we know nothing about what things are like in themselves we just know is just only human experience of those things so all these arguments that we use to approach what has to be true because it just doesn't make any sense otherwise are nonsense to kant kant makes all these arguments and still believes in god he still believes in human soul and he still believes in free will and if you asked about it he wouldn't say what other people would try to persuade you as god he gives you an argument of how we know god exists can't keep it in another direction he takes so differently that he thinks there are things were talking about here about the god free will soul these are all beyond our human capacity to know if we ask kant do you know if god existed you know he would have laughed and say of course not i don't know whether the god exists or any of these things but these things are by very nature outside of what is possible for us to know with this very narrow limited apparatus that we have to navigate the world
Now you might be asking, okay, Kant, but it seems like you are sidestepping the issue here, right? It seems like you are creating this alternative world that we can't know anything about. And I'm fully bored with that. I am fully bored with the idea that we shouldn't be making assumption about it. Or even speaking about the words of them, some things in themselves. Because to do so, we would be using human languages, words and phrases that we use to describe our human experience, right? And even that is assuming too much about this world or things in themselves. I am bored with all of that. But it seems like you, you Mr. Kant, are now assuming quite a bit about this real world. Like the fact that a god is a part of it. But there is us walking that tight rope that I talked about in the beginning of the episode. I hope you all remember that. We want to believe that if a god existed, come on guys, like at least we want to be able to know, right? We want to believe that that is a piece of a knowledge our mind could arrive at. But what if it is not? We know at some level that isn't it possible that it is not? What if some other creature out there looking at the world through a different apparatus than a human one? It is perfectly obvious that a god exists or that human have souls or any number of these things. What if the god existence is as unknowable to us as the existence of some type of a ray? Or a particle or some parallel universe that we just don't have ability to sense no matter how big of a microscope we build. It's like the entire meaning of our life is to believe in something based on nothing, like like why don't God have a YouTube channel, people? See, that's what I am saying this. That's what is this all about. I mean, seriously, people, why do not God have a YouTube channel? Imagine how many subscribers he would have had. Weekly addresses, no more ambiguity, special segment on each video saying, Hear what I mean when I was saying those things. That things you will interpret to mean 15, 20 different things. Kant has a lot of slippery arguments about why he believed in all these three things. And they changed all throughout his lifetime depending on which particular work of his you are reading. It's understandable, right? At one level, we are reading the intellectual development of a human being that thought about the stuff all the time. It makes sense. Things change, right? He talks at time about how it's an undeniable fact that most people have feeling about what is right or wrong. And they feel compelled to act in a certain way about them. But even by mentioning the idea of right or wrong implies that we had some sort of a choice in this matter. So, although it appears to our human experience machine that we live in a mechanistic universe, where we can predict everything that's going to happen, including human behavior. In reality, even though we can't see it or sense it, there must be a moral realm out there that is responsible for all this. We must have what we think as free will. Again, these things change all throughout his career. The reason is the basic of morality. The reason is not an object of experience. The point is, we do not know what this other world is like. This is why he spends his career spending so much time trying to understand 
how we experience the other world because if we can understand this human experiencing machine fully we can understand the limits of human knowledge too right see what we can learn from kant here is really interest interesting insight about limits of that human knowledge kant would say that his belief in god is based on faith no he wouldn't know whether god exists he thinks all this philosophers trying to prove to you that god exists are wasting their time which is why he spends so much time destroying their arguments this is beyond anything we can ever experience he makes a really interesting point that the first time i read kant i must say i just glossed over it but he talks about to be fair to me because there are two different kinds of faith he says if you have a faith about something that is potentially knowable then that is superstition that is laziness intellectually unacceptable he says for example the tribal people that look at the volcano and do not understand its why it sometimes shoots out the lava sometimes it's don't now if you have a faith that in it's the fact that throwing people into the volcano that's affecting it then that is somehow pleasing the volcano gods that honor the human sacrifice and that's what you blame for the frequency or infrequency of the volcanic eruption well that is superstition ridiculous faith to the cunt the reason being because if you put in the leg work if you conduct experiments and studies the volcano and the geology and eventually plate tectonics if you did all this you could arrive at the knowledge about when and why the volcano erupts tide goes in tide goes out right but kant says having faith about something that's unknowable can never be justification for laziness there is nothing more you can do if knowing whether god exists or not if unknowable to the human mind then assenting to the faith based belief is less bad to the cunt and i think he would just want us to recognize that fact what exists is not just what we can measure and see existing in the narrow crude based completely random apparatus that we have duct taped around our head in the 2020 and while many of us still listening to this episode would disagree that knowledge is power maybe knowledge isn't the paradigm maybe it's not the stockpile as much as knowledge but possibly can that's the paradigm too right maybe knowledge is a bridge to something else maybe the reason you are listening to this podcast as opposed to another is because maybe it's not the knowledge you want but maybe something right maybe something that usually comes along with the knowledge thank you for listening i'll talk to you next time